Jason, I decided to start our podcast off with a name that we were meant to get into every episode and and stopped getting into every episode maybe a year and a half back. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Somebody was listening to the old episodes. <laughs> I was just thinking about it the other day because I, I was scrolling through Facebook and Jim came up as a suggested friend. Mm. on Facebook and I saw how his last name was spelled and I said no that's not how it's pronounced but I, I said it fast and I said it strong and uh, <laughs> just like you, just like you taught me <laughs> and uh, I said Jim Hendigus and it reminded me that he wanted his name mentioned in every episode well this is a throwback for our original listeners I hope they're enjoying it <laughs> I hope Jim's enjoying it if he isn't then we're doing something wrong <laughs> <laughs> he actually just had his birthday Did he? Uh, the other weekend, yeah. Right. And uh, for his birthday, I sent him four samples from my collection. And, and then we, we did a, a FaceTime and we, we tasted the four samples together. That's and, nice. Yeah. yeah, it was lovely. It was absolutely lovely. Yeah, I tasted some, some good juice. Uh, first one we poured was the, the 1993 light whiskey for the final Whiskey Jubilee bottling. Okay. That was a lovely start. Mm-hmm. Then we followed that up with the Whiskey Exchange uh, Christmas malt from this past oh, December. Yes. That was my Hanukkah gift to you. There you go. And that was lovely. Yep. Pleasure to share. Mm-hmm. And then we did the Angel's Tears. Oh, the boy. The Springbank Cadenheads Warehouse bottling from July of 2017. Mm-hmm. D-Char, Rechar, Springbank. Oof. 19 years, right? Oh, delicious, De- um, delightful, the lovely and the groovy. <laughs> and then we closed it out with the 2017 Fischiel Bullmore 11 year old, which uh, we've tasted on one of our previous episodes of this podcast. And yeah. it was my it was my favorite Fischiel bottling from uh, the 2017 offerings. Was that did we taste that at Whiskey Jubilee? Was that a live podcast? We did. We did, we did. But then I also picked it, in one of our year in review episodes, I picked it as maybe my favorite whiskey of the year. One of my favorite whiskeys of the year. You liked that more than, than Transparency? In 2017, yeah. But Transparency was 2017. Yeah, I like Transparency a whole bunch. The Bullmore 11's what I keep reaching for. It's interesting. I've got the the Fijil Beaumore 2018 Fijil. I've yet okay. to open it. I don't even remember what it is. Hmm. Hashtag I maybe? first world problems. <laughs> Do I maybe have that here? Nope, this is a second bottle of the 2017 unopened. <laughs> 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 I tell you, I did like it. <laughs> I guess so. Um, yeah. So, yes. So that was my, uh, that was my birthday treat for uh, young Jim, as I affectionately call him. Uh, Jim Hendigus, yes. as uh, as you have called him out on this episode. So here we are. Is he is he the one? Just really quickly before we actually get into this episode, is he the one that when I first met him, I showed him the video of grapefruiting? I am quietly nodding my head. 
<laughs> Jim, I'm I'm sorry. I was just so excited about that video. Uh, it was recently shown to me, and to be honest, you were one of one of a countless <laughs> score of people that uh, that I just forced watched the uh, the the grapefruiting episode. <laughs> The grapefruiting episode? I mean, the, the grapefruiting video. <laughs> oh, boy. If, if anybody was curious, and we send this out with full disclaimers attached, uh, how would they find it on the YouTube? Uh, I think if they just searched for grapefruiting and maybe used another keyword like, like um, uh, oral sex, maybe. There, now, now, this is... This is oh, not Joshua. A, this is not oh, a, Listen, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> this is not pornography. Oh. This is an instructional how-to video for um, women to please their men or men to please their men. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. uh, for, for anybody. And it incorporates grapefruit, which, you know, you get a nice <laughs> kick of vitamin C along with it too, which is nice. And incorporates grapefruit, said everybody all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I tell you what has taken on a life of its own. Yeah. Hand crotch. Hand crotch has taken a life of its own. From the Lee Atwood episode. Yes. (laughs) I I did a tasting uh, the other week in Boise, Idaho, and I was doing the old, you know, pour the whiskey, you know, to feel the oils kind of things, mm. dip your finger and then rub it, rub it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I did, I just said, yeah, hand crotch. And the people in the room who were very familiar with what I was talking about <laughs> from that episode uh, gave a little cheer for hand crotch. <laughs> They've actually updated the 2019 Grey's Anatomy uh, to incorporate that, that uh, <laughs> nomenclature for that particular part of the human anatomy. I think I said in the episode, once you've, once you've considered that your hand crotch, or maybe you said it in the episode, once you've considered that your hand crotch, you will never consider it anything else. Anything else. Yeah, <laughs> it, and- that, will be, that will be fully <laughs> committed to your head brains. So, so for, for any listener here who is sort of scratching their head, like he- hand crotch, what are they talking about? Maybe they're, maybe they're scratching their hand crotch while watching television. Yeah, I bet you it could be. They may be scratching their crotch too. But um, <laughs> if you look at your hand, there's that fleshy part of your hand between your the base of your index finger and the base of your thumb. That <laughs> is the hand crotch. <laughs> what a world, uh, Joshua. Uh, so, what a time to be alive. Grapefruiting, hand crotches. To think this is an industry podcast about whiskey. Speaking of which... Hello, everybody. This is Joshua Hatton with One Nation Under Whiskey Podcast. I'm joined today, and I'm joined as always <laughs> with my silent, laughing, good friend, business partner, my all-around mate, Mr. Jason Johnston Yellen. Welcome to the industry podcast. That is One Nation Under Whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, deep breaths, deep breaths. <laughs> I don't know what to say like that, that preamble. <laughs> I don't quite know how do we follow that with whiskey. How do we how do we possibly follow that by talking about the keepers of the quake? Like, how do we possibly that's, do that now? That, that, that's a good point. There, there is no proper segui to bring us from hand crotches to keepers of the quake. No. No, I think I think just using that our introduction as the line in the sand. I'm talking about drawing a line in the sand, dude. Um, and then just carrying on like what happened before the intro never actually happened in this episode might serve us best. Yeah, yeah. So Joshua, we are doing something a little different today. Yep. Uh, we are actually focusing on you as the the interview subject this week. And. You know, when you had suggested this, this particular... Oh, oh I suggested it. Is that what we're saying? <laughs> Is that the company line? <laughs> yeah, so carry on. Yeah, when, when I, wink, suggested this... Well, the discussion was, maybe we should have a Keepers of the Quake-focused episode. Yeah. To which your reply was... And we should focus on you. Maybe it should be my interview of you. And 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 when you suggested that, I thought to myself, self, um, and all of a sudden I'm being put in the position of all these wonderful people that we interview. And I just don't think that I'm worthy to be put amongst uh, such an esteemed group of people. Oh my God, this false modesty is nauseating. <laughs> nauseating. Oh my goodness, I'm throwing up right now. Um, you pronounced here, modesty so, wrong. Anyway, so here's, so here's the thing. Um, I want to begin my interview of you uh, by talking about me, which <laughs> I think is how we do things on this podcast. So I think this fits right in. So here's my perspective. Yeah. So I had a, a, a week already scheduled when when word came in that you were going to be inducted into the Keepers of the Quake, mm-hmm. which huge, huge industry accomplishment um, of which I am very proud of you. And I just want to get that out of the way really Thank fast. You. Thank you. I will not mention that again. <laughs> and... <laughs> And so I already had it where I was flying from DC to Seattle mm-hmm. on the Wednesday. It was April 3rd, just to frame that for our, our dear listeners. Okay. And I was flying out to Seattle on the 3rd. I was flying to Boise on the 4th. I was flying to Moscow, Idaho on the 5th. I was then flying back to Seattle on the 6th and then taking a red eye back to DC that night, then landing at the airport, going to... Jack Rose, mm-hmm. to be part of their premier drams event, yes. which is a fantastic event. And I love, love, love being yeah, a part of it. About that. Go on. And then it was announced that the Keepers would be on the 8th. <laughs> <laughs> and given that I, I absolutely did not want to miss it, I wanted to be there for your very special night and uh, to be there with, with your good wife, Haida. And with Stuart Nickerson, the the industry legend who nominated you mm-hmm. for for the keepers, and and so what I did was I left Dulles Airport on Sunday morning, drove into DC, got a bit of breakfast, did the premier drams event for four hours, mm-hmm. 
and then drove back to the airport <laughs> to take a second red eye, this time to Glasgow via Dublin. And and everything about the timing was tight. Very, very, very tight. Yeah. And I landed in Dublin. Things were going fine. I landed on time. You know, I was ready for my next flight. I was able to wander around for a few hours. And when push came to shove, the plane was delayed in coming. Was that, putting a pin in that really quickly, just ask this simple question. Given the 754 flights that you had taken prior (laughs) to that, Mm -hmm. was this the first one that had any sort of issue? Yes. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I took nine flights in seven days and only one was delayed. And it was the one that I could not afford to be delayed. <laughs> so I, I had one of these moments and, and you and I have talked about it and, and I'm, I'm sure the listeners have had this experience if, if you travel on planes at all. We were late boarding and it was one of those... You go through the gate, you get on a bus, they f- drive you out the tarmac, and then you have to make it from the bus onto the, the plane. And it was pissing down in Dublin. Mm. The fog was touching the tops of the planes uh, that were on the ground, not even the ones that were in the sky. And um, I get my seat and I sit down and they start taxiing. And I've got this little ability that when a plane starts taxiing, I can fall asleep. That's, that's my moment. That's my signal. Like first, literally first second of taxiing, I can fall asleep. It's a superpower. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's mostly, I hadn't seen a bed in two days. Uh, and at that point, I was mostly dead to the world. And so I, so I close my eyes and I'm sleeping and I'm thinking, okay, it's all going to work out. It's all going to work out. And then I wake up with a start hmm. And, and one of those ones where you look out the window and you're like, oh, okay, we're on the tarmac. Okay, holy shit. I've slept for the whole flight. We're in Glasgow. Awesome. And the pilot comes over the speaker and he says, so once again, apologies for the delay leaving Dublin. We are in queue and we will be taking off shortly. I had slept for an hour and a half on a plane that hadn't gone anywhere. Oh. <laughs> And at that point, I knew that I was not going to make it for the first portion of the Keeper's Banquet. Yes. So fill me in. <laughs> they, they have a bit of an all-star arrival. They do. Let, at yeah, the Keeper's. Yeah, let me, let me do what I do best, Jason. I'm going to back it up a little bit. Get the beeps. Okay. Beep, 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 <laughs> beep. So I want everybody to remember your story up until now, where you mm-hmm. you had 97 flights, you <laughs> finally get to Glasgow, you're driving up to uh, just outside of Pitlochry, up to Blair. I will, I will also say this, it was yeah. a beautiful day in Glasgow. It was a oh. shitty, shitty, shitty weather day in Dublin, and it was spectacular in Glasgow. Oh, God was shining down upon everybody, as was Interesting the Interesting take. Are you the god in this? <laughs> uh, okay. All right. So everybody remembers that, right? Okay. So you drive up to the castle and you arrive late to the overall banquet for the evening. Okay. But I'm Me. Gonna, you, you. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. I uh, Instead of being there for 545, 
I was there for 7.15. Okay, so an hour and a half late. Okay. <laughs> if you remember that time that I slept for an hour and a half on the tarmac in Dublin. Wow, look at that. It's a one for one. <laughs> <laughs> Funny how that was time again. <laughs> so let, let me back up a little bit. A year and a half ago. <laughs> best backup ever. <laughs> I told you I do it well, and this is probably the best backup I've ever done or ever will do. <laughs> a year and a half ago, I received the good word that Stuart Nickerson was nominating me as a keeper of the quake. Mm-hmm. And... It's funny, I've been sort of pinching myself ever since and never really, I mean, you knew about this, obviously, but never really told anyone else. And I didn't know when I'd get the proper induction because the way the Keepers works, for those that don't know, if you get nominated to be a Keeper first, A, someone has to nominate you. Then B, someone has to second that nomination just someone, random Joe on the street? <laughs> yeah, it, it could be anybody. It could be the, the hobo with those hobo gloves that cooks <laughs> the little sausages on sticks. No, it has to be another keeper of the quake. You have to have two current keepers to nominate you. That is correct. This then, is what we have learned. Then, once you get the nomination, you, f- you, f- you fill out the application that is presented to the committee that approves future Keepers of the Quake. And then that committee has to look at the application, look at your various achievements, and approve or deny your... What's the word I'm trying to think of? Nomination? Application? Yeah, approve or deny your application to become a Keeper. Now, the stipulation is, or the prerequisite has been you need to have at least five years within the industry to become a keeper. Now, that could be selling whiskey. It could be importing it, distributing it. It could be writing about it. Do you know that that has changed now? And that's what I was going to get to. (laughs) What does it change to, Jason? Seven. It's now seven years, right? And so anyway, I was nominated. I secured my second nomination. Uh, my good friend David Blackmore of Glenmore and Gennard Beg was kind enough to say, oh yeah, I agree with Stuart. Joshua, you should be a keeper. So I put the application in and that was a year and a half ago that it was approved. Now the keepers have two annual banquets. They have a spring one and then a fall one. And with each banquet, they only induct a small number of people into the keepers. Now, I don't know what it was for previous banquets, but for mine, there was 40 people to become keepers and five people to become masters of the quake. And to become a master of the quake, you need to have an additional 10 years after having become a keeper of the quake and you don't get nominated, you are invited to be a master of the quake by that mm. by that committee. So it's not mm. a it's not a secondary nomination. This is yeah yeah you have to be invited. Mm. Yeah. So so I found out a year and a half ago, but it took one two. It, it was basically 
you know, a bunch of banquets went by before I was able to. I was trying to do flawless math. math. Yeah, flawless math. There's actually one, two, three, a bunch of banquets. <laughs> you were on your way to the right answer. One, it wasn't one, two, it wasn't two. It was a bunch. That's all I know. It was a bunch. <laughs> Some might say there were a few banquets held between approval and and acceptance. Yeah. Yeah. So so there you go. So so three banquets went by and and I was able to get into this one. And they had told me. They had said you could bring certain guests. Obviously the the person who inducted you, you know, gets gets for first right to be there if he or she wants to join you or is able to join you to the banquet. And and thankfully Stuart was able to join and did want to join. And then your partner, uh, whether it's your husband or your wife or whatever, your business, your, yeah, uh, can can join you. And then if there's room, you're allowed <laughs> you're allowed a third guest. <laughs> and and thankfully there was room and to not have you there would have been uh it would have made me incredibly sad. So I am I am thankful that you were there, even though you came in an hour and a half late, no fault of your own. It was it was good to have you there at the banquet with me. Yeah, and, and I, I felt the exact same way, which is why I tacked on an absolute insane <laughs> flight to an insane five days. Um just so that I could be there to see it. Now, what was interesting is, uh, obviously, I showed up at 7.15. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you were nowhere to be seen yes. when I showed up. Instead, there was more of a kind of a, a cocktail hour happening yeah. with whiskey, whiskey and ginger, uh, more whiskey, more whiskey and ginger. I, I didn't see any other drinks. There might have been. I didn't there see were. any. There were. Yeah. Okay. So you weren't there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what's happening in that room? Now that I'm you a were, keeper, I'm yeah, you a were keep- off having secret handshakes. Um, I'm a keeper of the secrets as well. <laughs> um, so, so let me tell you what happened during the hour and a half that 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 you were racing north <laughs> yeah, from Glasgow. I, was. I, was. <laughs> I can imagine all, all the sheep and deer ran from the road as you fucking drove up <laughs> the only thing missing was joshua screaming in the passenger seat that was the only thing missing getting gray hair um, <laughs> so you arrive to blair castle at 5 45 and it was me Stuart, and my wife Haida, and Stuart's wife wilma was actually the person who drove us to the castle so that very, was very kind nice. so she she gets us to the castle and you know, for any listeners who want to do this, just, you know, go to Google, not while you're driving, uh, but go to Google and just do a search for Blair Castle and you'll see how absolutely gorgeous this building is. A massive white castle and leading up to it is this red carpet with Blair Castle's own private army. (laughs) I, I think it's the only private army in the entire UK which belongs to Blair Castle. And they're they're sort of lining the red carpet as you walk up. And so you're waiting in line to go into the castle. And really what 
what you're waiting for is, I, I, I don't even remember how many, but you're going from station to station to station uh, to get your picture taken. Mm-hmm. So Haida and I are, are arm in arm and, and with Stuart, and they say, all right, stand over here, have your picture taken. Great. Now come up here, have your picture taken. That's great. Now come into this room. And once you get into the castle, the first room, all of the walls are lined with swords, axes, guns, antlers, like every everything you could need for killing and every killed <laughs> object was in this room. <laughs> killed objects looking over kilted objects? Exactly. Uh, and then we got our picture taken there. And then we go up the stairs and we start heading into this sort of VIP room. But before you get to the VIP room, you're there with the Grandmaster of the Quake, as well as, I think it was the Duke and Duchess of Argyle. And we got our pictures taken with them. Hmm. And then once you have that, <laughs> you go into the next room. I mean, it's what's great about it is there are so many things to do. However, the organization is so well put together that you don't have to think about anything. You just, you go where they tell you to go. You stand where they tell you to stand. You drink what they tell you to drink. And, and everybody's happy. <laughs> so, so after the picture with the Grandmaster of the Quake and the Duke and Duchess, we get into the VIP room, which I would say is maybe 30 by 30. And it was... Is this feet or meters? Uh, this is feet, sorry. And let me, let me tell you this. Before we went into the VIP room, Stuart had to leave us. He was not allowed to be in that room mm. with us. Now, this room was the one that you go into as you wait to go into the next room <laughs> where the ceremony happens. Now, I'm glad it's a castle because their need for rooms is quite excessive. <laughs> so I can see they couldn't just host this in a Holiday Inn Express. <laughs> you know, that's that's Keepers 2020. I didn't want I didn't I didn't want to leak it. Um, but at this at the ceremony I can bring in one guest and one guest only to watch the ceremony, which is closed to the public. And I have, I have a choice between the person who inducted me and my significant other. And of course I was going to pick <laughs> Haida. I mean, that, that's, that's, I, I want my wife to be there, but I mean, really the, the person who inducted you could say, I want to be there with you. But Stuart, being the gentleman that he is, he said, Haida should be with you. I'll, I'll wait. And basically where he was, was the cocktail hour that you came into uh, when you, you know, when you eventually got to the, to the castle. So, so anyway, so we get into this VIP room and they're handing out whiskey and they're handing out whiskey and ginger and they're handing out a bit more whiskey and a bit more <laughs> whiskey and ginger. Meanwhile... Haida was drinking wine because they also had wine. Aha! See that? And water. There you go. They had water. I never saw the water. Right. <laughs> Till much, much later. So we're waiting in the room. It's 30 by 30. And more and more people are being piled into this room. 
not only do you have the people who are being inducted, but you're also getting their significant others with them, plus the masters of the quake, plus a few other people, plus the people serving you. Do you, do you remember when on Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, they get into that first room and they're squished <laughs> and they don't know how to get out? That's kind of like what we felt like. <laughs> but there's a little tiny door at the other end of the room that you all head towards. Exactly. <laughs> that door, that's the door we came in. <laughs> um, but it, but it was lovely. So we, we bumped into Brian and Colby from BC Merchants. Mm-hmm. So Colby right. Turner was, uh, also inducted as a keeper and, uh, Bill Lumsden was there. He came up to me, said hello. He was the first person I saw when I walked in the door oh, to nice. the cocktail hour. Uh, <laughs> said, it's so great to see him. And so, uh, he, he's, he's, yeah, he's just fun. <laughs> Did he tell you any good stories? Uh, no, no. He was in a conversation with somebody. I just made sure to say hello to him oh, okay, okay. in passing, which was kind of my my takeaway from from the cocktail hour. Was I saw a lot of people either that I know or I've I've wanted to say hello to for a while. Like I I saw Charlie McLean oh, yeah, across yeah. the room yep. and wanted to say hello to him and wanted to thank him for doing the podcast back at Maltstock. And he was in conversation. I was in conversation. I just never got to say hello to him and. It was it was just a bit of a shame. Yeah. But yeah. there's so many people having so many conversations. I saw George Grant. And I didn't see George Grant the whole time. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to say hello to him either. So yeah, you, you could you could make a list yeah. of all the people I saw that I didn't have a chance to say hello to. Yeah. Um, so what am I trying to say? You've gone you've gone through the Willy Wonka door oh, okay. that you came in. Right. So no, so we're so yeah, so we're so we're in that VIP room. Bill Lumston says hello. Hansa Fringa comes up and says hello. And, and what what was great for me, seeing all of these people, I, obviously seeing them is wonderful, but this is the first time where worlds collided and Haida got to see the whiskey side of my life that she never got to see. And I, there were a few times where I just kind of welled up just, you know, introducing these people to Haida and, and, you know, having her meet them and, and, and more importantly, having them meet her and, um, Ronnie Cox from the Glen Rothis as well, you know, just all these lovely, lovely people. And she got to meet them all and, and vice versa. And it just, it felt great. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm welling up now just thinking about it. Well, it, it does have that feeling about it when, everybody's in formal kilts and, you know, ball gowns and you're in this, mm-hmm. you know, incredibly large and beautiful castle and you're surrounded by, you know, the, the upper echelon of the whiskey industry. And it it feels a little overwhelming, to be honest. And so the yeah. fact that you're talking about welling up while introducing your wife makes perfect sense yeah. because... <laughs> It really feels like a big deal as you're standing there and as you're looking around and as you're seeing the people who have put in their own nominations yeah. and they're there with their own people who they've valued. It's, yeah, it really gives you a moment's pause yeah. to say, this is a big deal. Well, and that's what I was going to say. For, for as much as it felt like it was a big deal, 
it's because it actually was a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> Today's truism is true. <laughs> so we're all squished into this room. At this point, we're squeezing cheeks. There's there's no where to move. My your shoulders are you got prison shoulders because you know you're just squashing this room with other people. You're all feeling like sardines. Squeezing cheeks and prison shoulders right after we've said like this is a big industry deal. <laughs> this is this is hugely important. I feel such honor and such pride. Mm. Yeah, totally squeezing cheeks and prison shoulders. <laughs> Which reminds me for as many ball gowns as there were, there were no ball gags. Not not a one. <laughs> <laughs> I waited for you to drink water to say that one. Uh-huh. Thank you for that one, Joshua. Yeah, you're welcome. So, new keeper of the quay. <laughs> so they finally open up the door, and we are led into this the uh, much larger room where there's where there's seating all up front. There's uh, sort of a raised platform ahead. And a dais. Uh, rock me, Amadeus. Um, uh, my, our Jewish listeners may think of it as a bima. Right? We've just—is uh, that what it's called, a dais? Mm-hmm. Huh. Okay. And um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't know what to do without your ball gag <laughs> jokes, do you? Uh-huh, now I gotcha. <laughs> so we're led into this room where the ceremony happens, and uh, I'm. This is the one part of the banquet, one part of the overall experience where, and I do apologize to our listeners, I'm going to keep shtoom about the, the the actual ceremony part of things because they didn't want anybody recording anything. They didn't want any pictures taken. They wanted it to be kept private, and so I'm going to honor that and and keep it private. Is that okay? Do you think that's okay, Jason? I think that's very okay. I, I think, I think respecting their desire for privacy is is a okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do do not become the first keeper to be kicked out of the society right, yeah. <laughs> for, for giving away the secrets. <laughs> Some secrets are okay, Joshua. The interesting thing before before we go on to the banquet part, which actually I want you to talk about, because <laughs> this the banquet was a very Scottish thing, and there were there were points during the banquet where you know someone's playing some music, and you said, "Oh, that's my favorite song. I love that song," and <laughs> and, and you know someone's doing this, you know this this Robbie Burns, yeah, the address to the highest, right, and, and and all this stuff, and and I. I did record some audio from that, and so I'm gonna put, I'm gonna put that in here. Awesome. So I do want you to talk about that, but one thing I want to mention before we get to the banquet part is, you know, I I, I always knew that the keepers of of the quake was a very elite society reserved for people who basically dedicate their lives to Scotch whiskey. What I didn't know fully was how old the organization is. It started in 1988, so it's 31 years old now. It was started by, you know, the major distilleries at the time. And to date, there are only, well, there's just under 2,800 people who are keepers of the quake. 
which if you think about that, over 31 years, there's not a lot of us out there. So to have been nominated, to have been accepted, ball gag jokes, prison shoulders, squeezing cheeks aside, um, <laughs> I, I do take it very, very seriously. It's, it's, it's a, a true honor and to be counted amongst people whom I put upon some of the highest pedestals to, to be within that group, I, I don't know. I, I pinch myself on a daily basis. Yeah, and that's that was one of the questions I was going to ask you is how does it now feel to be a keeper? I kind of, I'm going to liken it to Haida's experience when she converted to Judaism, which which I didn't ask her to. She wanted to do it all by herself. And she went through this process, which was around two or three years or so of, you know, being taught by rabbis and, you know, learning about all this stuff. And, you know, the interesting thing for her, once the conversion process was done, it ended with her being submerged in a mikvah and you know, basically a pool of water. And she came out and the rabbi said, welcome <laughs> to the tribe. <laughs> <laughs> and and it was it, it felt almost uneventful. Mm -hmm. And you know, I feel like I'm the same exact person that I was <laughs> before having been made a keeper. However, uh -huh. a, another connection between my induction and her conversion celebration was at the synagogue, and there were, you know couple hundred people there and she got to talk about the conversion process and that's when all of the emotions came up and that's when it felt real and so in a similar way being at the banquet that's when it felt real and talking mm. to all these other people is like oh my gosh this is it and then I come home and I'm still the same guy that I was before doing all still, of right still doing laundry still cleaning the cat litter yeah <laughs> <laughs> Still feeding the kids. I'm a keeper, you know, kids. Dad, I'm hungry. <laughs> exactly. Um, Let me tell you about my kill, Dad. <laughs> Dad. Dad, can I have scrambled eggs, please? <laughs> uh, so so I, do, I don't feel any different, but I still, you know, I, I stop and I think about it sometimes and I think about the people who are keepers and people who are honorary keepers, like... Prince Charles is an honorary keeper. Ronald Reagan, I may not have liked him as a president, um, <laughs> but there's no doubt about it. I mean, that is a big name between his 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 acting and being a, a president. I mean, this was the the leader of the world at one point, and somehow I'm connected to these people. And you know, it's a weird thing to think about every now and again. <laughs> I think that's a fair takeaway, right? It, it, it's also a bit, and this goes back to being at the banquet, where as you're walking around and you're seeing people you know and industry legends, and, and like I say, Stuart Nickerson is is one of the biggest legends out there. Mm -hmm. And and the fact that A, he did your nominating, and B, he's sitting right there next to us at the table, and he's wearing his keeper... Um, Badge, would you call it? Um, it's a medal. A medal, keeper medal. That's a much better word than badge. Badges. 
We ain't got no badges. We don't need no badges. I don't have to show you any stinking badges. <laughs> He's wearing his keeper medal. And, and as you look around the room and you see, oh, that person's wearing their keeper medal. And, oh, that person's keeper medal. And that person. And, and it's, it is quite staggering to see these industry stalwarts who are wearing yeah. their keeper medals and yeah. thinking, geez, my Joshi is one of them. My <laughs> Joshi is among that number. It's, yeah. it's, 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 yeah, it, it's really special, but it's also, um, I don't want to say overwhelming because, because it's not overwhelming, but it's, it's really significant. That's mm. the word. And so it's, it's lovely to see that significance enter into your whiskey life. And I congratulate you on that. Well, thank you. And after you having said that, I, I, I don't feel compelled to make you kiss the ring. So I, I just, <laughs> just have to kiss the medal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh-huh. so, so thank you. So, so let's, let's close this keeper yes. part of it out with your take on the banquet itself. Yeah. Tremendous. You get to sit there, you eat tremendous food, you drink good whiskey, and you have wonderful company around you. The The speeches were remarkable. The, the songs, as you mentioned previously, um, really touched me. Um, Can you talk about that a bit? Like, I, I don't, to be honest, I had a, a few drinks and I don't remember which song it was. It's the it's the one I, I I don't actually know the name of it, but it's um, basically the farmer who's had his his working horse uh, for its life, and they've gone out and they've plowed the fields, and and when he says, you know, your 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 day's done, right? Mm. It's really talking about the end of the horse's work life is done, and and it's it's an incredibly touching song that is sung in a very touching way, a very haunting way, um, mm. without a lot of accompanying music around it. Yeah. And so very, very haunting. Um, and so, yeah, that, that, was, that was a touching moment for me. But then also a, an amazing rendition of an address to the haggis, which I, I think you pulled your phone out a little late. It, it opens... Fair for your honest sonsy face, great chieftain o' the puddin' race. Aboon the ma ye tack your place, pange tripe or therm. Wheel o' ye worthy o' a grace, as langs my erm. And then it goes on from there. Wow, so, if, so if you want to play a, a little bit of that, we'll hear a professional uh, rendering of it. I thought that I was just listening to his rendering right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you turned to me at one point and, uh, and you'd said to me, like, have you ever done this? And I said, I have, I have, I have delivered the address to the haggis, but I've, I've never done the full version of it. Mm. And, and when the, the good man on the night was going, he covered the whole damn thing. And there's parts of it that, that I don't know. Um, yeah. but I, I, I think I'm no, maybe the first Four verses, maybe okay. something like that. I think I'm. I think there's maybe seven or eight or nine in total. So. Okay, okay. But yeah, it's it's great. I think you turned to me. And you said I didn't understand a word of that, but that was amazing. 
<laughs> well, just hearing you repeat it now, I didn't understand a goddamn word you said. Um, but yeah, let's let's go over to that tape. And that, the gentleman who did this address to the haggis was also the MC for the evening. And he did a great job just segueing from course to course, whiskey to whiskey, speech to speech, etc. So let's hear this gentleman, whom I forget his name, unfortunately. Robert Lovey. Robert Lovey, thank you. Let's hear him as he does his address to the haggis. As long as my arm, the groaning trencher, there you fill your hordies like a distant hill, and your pen would help to mend a mill in time of need, while through your pores the dews distill like amber bead. His knife, no, no, his knife, <laughs> say rustic, labor debt, I cut you up, we ready slept, trenching your cushion entrails brick, look on a ditch, and then, ho, 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 Glorious sect, warm reeking, and rich, then horn for horn, this stretch and strive, deal to kahite my stone they drive, till all their wheel swalled kites belive, are bent like drums, and all in man miss like to rive, by fucking horns. Is there that owl, his French ragout, or olio that would star a sou, or fricassee that would mock a Spew with perfect scholar, <laughs> look doom with sweet, scornful view and sagadera, peer devil, see him over his trash, as faithless as a wither trash, his spinnel shark a wheat with blood, his nerve a net through bloody field or flood to dash, oh how unfit. But mark the rustic haggis fed, the trembling earth resounds his tread, clapping his wally nerve and blade, he'll mark them whistle. And legs and arms and heads will snare <laughs> like the darts and thistles. Now your powers that mark mankind your care and dish the food their bill of fare. All Scotland wants nays, skink and wear the jumps and luggies. But if you wish, ha, grateful prayer, gear, ah, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, it says in the in the book, the haggis fear antique, which I don't have a clue. And then under that says Robert Lovey. So I think we've got the right name. <laughs> I think the fear antique is what we experienced after the banquet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just I want to I want to close on some on some whiskey uh, talk here. Is yes, at, at the conclusion of the banquet. We made it back to our accommodation. We said goodnight to Stuart. Before you get to the close, could we just briefly, I want to talk about the final three toasts of the evening. Oh, okay. Which I thought were brilliant. Now, I cannot remember what the heck we were toasting. <laughs> cool, cool story, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's in the book. I know it's in the book. Uh, what was the first toast where we were told... To A, 
charge our quakes. So anybody who was a keeper got a quake, which is that little silver bowl with the two handles on the end of it. We're told mm-hmm. to charge our quakes with whiskey. We were told to make a toast. What was that first toast? Wasn't that a toast to the quake? It's in the book. It's, yeah, it only says the quake. So it's got the haggis. Yeah, it says the toast. The haggis, the loyal toast, and the quake. Okay. Are you, you're not thinking of Scotland yet, are you, when we had to stand on the yeah. chair? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Okay, that wasn't a toast. That was just the song. That uh, stands separate. Oh, okay. So, so t- tell us about that real quickly, because there was three times where we had to fill our glass. Yes. So this is the song Scotland Yet. And so that was performed by the Lord Bruce, uh, who's the elder son of the Earl of Elgin. And is descended from Robert the Bruce. Wow. Yeah, quite a chain of command there. Yeah, I'd say so. And, and then reading from uh, the, the book here, it says, The tradition for Scotland Yet, which was the, the song that he was about to sing, is to stand during the first verse, mm-hmm. the, the verse being, I'll drink a cup to Scotland Yet with all the honours three. So you stand the first time that verse comes around. The second time that verse comes around, you stand on the chair. Mm -hmm. And the third time that verse comes around, you have one foot on the chair and one foot on the table. Yes. And you sit down between each verse. Between each verse, yes. (laughs) (laughs) So we've been drinking for numerous hours. Uh I, I kept refilling your quake for you at the table. And now we're being asked, (laughs) okay, here comes the verse. You stand and you sing it with uh, the the, the singer here. And then you all sit down. He carries on for another another stanza. And then, boom, you return to the verse of it. And now we're up. Well, you got to get up on the chairs. (laughs) You got to sing it. Okay, he's done that. Okay, he's carrying on singing. Okay, now we got to sit down again. Okay. Oh, here comes the verse again. Okay, now you get out of the chair. Okay, Okay, now we'll get one foot. Now we'll get one foot on the chair, one on the table. Yeah, drinking for a number of hours and then trying to coordinate that many footsteps and Mm -hmm. that many positions. Yeah, I cannot believe nobody fell off the table. Not a single person fell at the table. And when I say this, what I'm saying is, I can't believe neither you nor I fell off the table. <laughs> uh-huh. But man, did that send it off in style. I, I felt like um, you know, Jim McEwen is known for, for closing tastings with toasts where people will stand foot on chairs, foot on tables. Yes. Um, I didn't know if Jim was ever doing Scotland yet, but I knew he'd done uh, toasts oh, yeah. that are, are very similar and set up. Yes. And, um, and so, yeah, it was, it was nice to think about Jim McEwen at the end of the, the banquet as well, since he's a, a guy that we like a lot. That's exactly who came to mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that kind of wrapped it up, that, that bit of frivolity, jumping on and off chairs and on and off tables. Um, the thing that I got to think in the next day was, holy moly, here we are, we've got one foot on a chair and one foot on a table. We're all kilted. And I'm assuming the majority of us are traditional in our, in our dress. Uh-huh. 
that's an interesting pose for somebody uh, with a kilt on and, and nothing underneath it. So it's it's funny you mention that about being <laughs> traditional. <laughs> so I was traditional. I wore my kilt. I um, didn't have underwear on, did the whole thing. And when I got there, I remember saying to Stuart, now this was at the beginning <laughs> Of, of the day. So this is at 545 when we arrive and we get out of the car and I feel the breeze going, uh-huh. going up into my yep. nether regions. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you're down unders? My dad, yeah, my, my down there's. And, <laughs> and uh, I said, Ooh, I'm not used to that. He said, he said, Oh, he said, you know, it's not compulsory <laughs> <laughs> to do it the traditional way. I'm wearing underwear. I said, oh, I thought you had to. Like, you know, my biggest, my biggest fear was that during the ceremony, there would be some sort of odd hazing <laughs> thing, you know, like when you become part of a, a, a fraternity and they make you have sex with uh, a goat. I, I was going to say, You've you've got induction secrets. You don't need to have you don't need to go back over them, Joshua. You've got induction secrets. All I'm going to say is I went traditional <laughs> for fear that it may affect how I'm treated during the hazing process of the ceremony. <laughs> well, and, and I you know, for the benefit of our listeners, when you first got your your kilt in the mail and you were trying it on. I was sure to tell you that when you get dressed in traditional kilt, you don't get dressed in the order that you might normally get dressed in. Mm. And, and I don't know if you continued that over to when you were getting dressed in Pitlochry. But for the benefit of our listeners who haven't worn the kilt, you're, you, you know, I recommend showering beforehand because you you are about to <laughs> put cloth against skin. Um, and so get out, you get out of the shower. Mm-hmm. And you put your socks on first and your big knee-high, thick, woolly socks yep. go on first. And then you put on your shoes. <laughs> <laughs> so you're now standing, hopefully in a hotel room uh, by yourself, uh, completely naked, except for your shoes and socks, mm-hmm. which I think is a classic look, uh, a really, really top quality look. Then you put on your shirt and your bow tie. Mm-hmm. So now you're standing there in socks and shoes with a shirt and bow tie. I tell you, nothing says class <laughs> <laughs> like that. <laughs> and then you take the kilt and you wrap it around you and and you you insert in the appropriate buckles. Oh, 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 oh buckles. Okay, go ahead. And you get it nice and tight. Mm-hmm. And then on goes the sporran. Uh, for the traditional Prince Charlie that we were all wearing to the banquet, you don't wear a belt with it. Mm-hmm. And then you put on your, your waistcoat and your jacket. And that is a very different order than you might ordinarily put on clothes. It's not the order in which I normally put on clothes. <laughs> and, you yeah. know... Yeah, if you put on your shoes before you put on your trousers, you can get into trouble that way. You know, as as the famous Bruce Dickinson said, yes, the Bruce Dickinson. I put my pants on 
just like the rest of you, one leg at a time. Except once my pants are on, I make gold records. <laughs> All right, here we go. Fear, don't fear the reaper. Take one, roll it. All right, one, two, three, four. But somebody might be wondering why that's the order. Yeah, so why, why is that the order, Jason? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave you to answer that because you have now worn the kilt. Uh-huh. You, one of the first things you said to me upon putting on the kilt is, oh, this is a bit high and tight. This is, well, I didn't think it'd be quite this restrictive, I think was maybe one of the things and, you said. And, and that's it. So you, you put the kilt on, you wrap it around you. And despite what Jason says, there are about uh, 27 different belts involved. <laughs> By which he means three. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, three plus a zero minus three equals 27. And so you get this on now. Now, when you put it on, you're wrapping it pretty much right where your belly button is or where the bottom hits your kneecaps or just right in the middle of your kneecaps. Oh yeah. You're, you're a good number of inches above your belly button. You shouldn't be, the high level shouldn't be your belly button unless your belly button's like pops out the top of your stomach. So I, I was saying around. Yeah, you, but you're not even close. Around doesn't even get close. <sighs> you're nowhere near your belly button. Okay. I will say this. Mm-hmm. I did see somebody at the banquet yeah. who was clearly wearing a kilt for the first time. Yeah. And I would say the bottom of his kilt. And you rightly said it. The, the bottom of your kilt hemline should intersect your kneecap. Mm-hmm. His was mid-calf. <laughs> He he literally had, and this is why I'm correcting you on the belly button. Yeah. He he had the top of his kilt below his belly button, probably oh. wearing it on his hips. Oh, okay, uh, like a woman would do with a skirt. So and he was wearing it as a skirt. He was wearing it as a. You're 100 percent correct. Did yes. he have a Did he have a ball gag? <laughs> Maybe in a sparring. <laughs> <laughs> but we. St- Still haven't answered the why. Why do you put on your shoes and socks before you put on your kilt? Because it ain't comfortable bending over <laughs> once you got yeah. that 75 pound kilt. It's, it's, I, would, I would view a kilt more as a, um, oh fuck, shit. What are the name of those? Um, things that wrap around you and they put you in the white padded room. What are those? Straight jackets? Yeah, it's, it, I would I would put it, I would say it's more like a straight jacket than it is, <laughs> than it is a kill. It's, it is very restrictive. Very restrictive. I will yeah. agree with you on that. And yes, once the kill is on, you are not bending over to put your shoes and socks on. Well, and because here's the other thing about the shoes. They're not regular shoes. They're not regular shoes. So you have these ridiculously long shoelaces <laughs> that have to get twirled three times and then they wrap around the back of your calf, then the front, then oh. the back, then the front, and then oh. you tie it. Who, who told you three? It's six. So I saw three different videos. One oh said three, one uh-huh. said six, uh-huh. one said seven. Oh, I like seven. I, I do six personally, but I could see seven working. And so what I did is I tried six <laughs> and it didn't seem like I was left with enough lace to gain purchase for a bow. 
And so, and so I tried three and that was perfect. I, I love what One Nation Under Whiskey has become. I love, <laughs> we are now discussing the minutia of how many times you should turn your laces when tying the shoes you wear with your kilt. This is a happy day for me, brother. This is a good, good day. When Dear listeners yeah. who are still with us, you have learned a lot this day. You are special to me. This is One Nation Up Kilt. <laughs> so I'm going to leave you with that you? really What's quickly. Wrong with you? I got to go put clothes into the dryer. I'll be you right back. so broken. Having gotten through the banquet and talking about what I had to do to prepare for the banquet, do we want to briefly discuss what happened after the banquet and then move on? Do we subject our listeners to that? I would present the very PG version, which is you put your wife to bed, we say goodnight to Stuart, and we had some very wonderful drams in our accommodation. The end. Happy story. Done and dusted. (laughs) (laughs) It certainly did not go off the rails. It did not go off the rails. I do. This is one thing I will I will mention, and this is one of the few things that I remember. Is <laughs> I I kept on saying, no, I don't want any more whiskey, and you kept on pouring whiskey into my glass, and I would throw it on the floor of our accommodation. I said, I told you I don't want any more, and you said, come on, get it in you, and you'd put more in my glass, and I'd put that dram on the floor. It's yeah. a sad ending. I don't remember that part. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot you don't remember. <laughs> I did wake up with photographs on my phone that I didn't remember having. So. <laughs> Thankfully, uh, we were clothed the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it was a great night. It was a fitting end. The fact that you were a very, very broken man the next morning <laughs> made me incredibly happy. Because I because that's that's our tradition in Scotland. When you have... Uh, a massive accolade like that, and you go celebrating, we really mean <sighs> you have to go bananas. And you're you're a man who often makes good decisions. And <laughs> and and I've I've said it previously, <laughs> I've said it to many people. You you are not afraid to walk into a bar and ask for a glass of water. I am not. And that, and that, personally, that's embarrassing to me. Um, <laughs> so, and so to have you in my homeland at a very traditional Scottish banquet with kilts, with quicks, with good Scotch whiskey, and to have you get absolutely annihilated, <laughs> I... I I am so happy, so happy that, that that's what happened and that's where we went and that we kept drinking afterwards. And even if you were pouring drams on the floor, and we'll, we'll talk about that off air. Uh, <laughs> um, even if you were getting up to some naughty shenanigans, the fact that you were broken mm. as part of your celebration mm. Is tremendous. And, and it's funny, right? I, I, I can hear these words come out of my mouth. I know we say all the time, please drink responsibly and blah, blah, blah. And my, and my wife, who doesn't drink at all, looks at me with these types of shenanigans and just thinks, 
She doesn't just think it. She says it out loud because she's a good wife. She <laughs> says, why, why is doing something so stupid just so enjoyable? And if you asked Mark Watt about it, you know, have you asked other friends, you know, Jess and Sweet Scott, who we talk about and we drink with, um, there's just something about losing control and just being that daft that that's fun, that you, you don't do it every night of the week. You, I don't remember the last time I saw you completely broken. And so the fact that it marks being made a keeper just makes me so happy. So very happy. Yeah. All right. So anyway, thank that's you, the end Jason. of the episode. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> uh, it, it was nice to recount the evening and, and hopefully we did it in a way that informed the listeners. They get a little bit of a glimpse into what happens during a keeper's banquet. Well, and, and what I hope is useful to the listener is that I never knew what was part of a keeper banquet. You know, and until I was actually in it and, you know, I walked into that cocktail hour. I was like, what's happening here? I didn't think this was part of it. So, yeah, I, I learned. And so I'm hoping that there was there was plenty there for our dear listeners to, to learn from as well. So, or not learn from, don't learn from us, uh, but learn about <laughs> uh, might be a better yeah. way to say it. Yeah. And let me, let me just say one last thing. While we may have been getting obliterated with alcohol. Uh, we were in a hotel room. We were oh, yes. near machinery. Oh, no, 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 we, no, no. It, it's okay to to do that and get daft every now and again, but being smart while you're being daft. Oh, yeah. Oh, and it was a, it was a pre-booked taxi back from the banquet. Exactly. Then we were in hotel room or accommodation room where we just had to fall into a bed. You had to fall across the hallway into your bed. Yeah, it was... Yeah. And that's, that's, so here's the funny thing. Now that you bring it up, it's not actually something that ever crosses my mind because in Scotland, and and we do the same when we're in Glasgow and we're drinking with friends or we're in Elgin and we're drinking with friends uh, or in, you know, Edinburgh drinking with friends, Isla drinking with friends. There's always walking, right? We're, we're, you know, the car's back at the hotel. And and that's, that's been true for me growing up in Scotland is you never drove to the bar. Yeah. You you always, you know, took the bus or you took a train, you met people there, and then you, as we call it, took the zigzag path home. Um <laughs> which you know, or you you know, you were on a friend's shoulder or your friend was on your shoulder. You always made it back without your own motor vehicle being involved, mostly because none of us had our own motor vehicles, right? We, mm. we only ever took the bus. We only ever took the train. We only ever walked places. And so I feel that you'd really get a sense of that when we're in Scotland together and yeah. we go out with friends. Yeah. It's about walking back. Uh, well, one of the most fun things we, we've done this year is that uh, walk back from Lagavulin in February. Yeah, uh, back to Port Ellen. In the dark, yep. you know, <laughs> that was absolutely magnificent. But again, it was the zigzag path, no motor vehicles, everybody's safe. You know, we were drinking on that walk home. It was tremendous, absolutely tremendous. So that, mm-hmm. that to me, that's always whiskey and drinking done right. It's yeah. never getting messy and, and using your own car. That's a, that doesn't even enter into my mind. Recipe for disaster. Exactly. Yep, 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 yep. 
So I suggest, Jason, that we move on to the other portion of this podcast that we wanted to discuss. Do you remember what that was? Yeah, we were, we were just going to do some quick coverage, some quick catch up. We've had very positive feedback on our first bar episode. Yes. And that was really nice. Again, you know, here we are talking about a whiskey, whiskey industry podcast. Mm-hmm. And it's not just about the production side. It's not just the independent bottling side. It's also the retail side. It's also the bar side. Um, there are multiple sides to this. Mm-hmm. Um, we've even talked now about maybe looking forward and doing a, a whiskey travel episode um, yeah. And, yeah. and have a conversation around that and see what that looks like. So there's there's so many sides to this industry that as we move out of, well, we're just independent bottlers or we're talking to producers or those who are building distilleries and actually talking to those who sell it on to, to customers. Mm-hmm in their own premises. Um, I'm really happy that that our listeners uh, got a kick out of that and got yeah. to learn something new and got yeah. to think about what, you know, all of our listeners drink in bars and now they get to hear about that other side of the counter. Mm. You know, what is the person who owns and operates that bar thinking about when they're bringing in whiskies or they're thinking about pricing and, uh, and education and, and all of that. So... Yeah, I, I had no doubt that our, our listeners would enjoy it. It's just always uh, very reassuring when they reach out to us to say they did enjoy it. Yeah, that that was... And we, we continue to get some good feedback. And, you know, just listening back to those conversations, I've, I've listened to um, all, all three segments. I kind of skipped what we talked about because um, I wanted to hear again, like how Mike Miller comes up with, you know, what what he's going to do for his annual anniversary release and the thought that he puts into it. And it's beyond just like thought being put into something. It's how can I partner with someone? Mm-hmm. This is a guy looking to connect many dots and, and hearing Christopher Grombeck talk about education and, and, and talk about, you know, how he's transformed something from a cafe into an incredibly successful bar that, that wants to take people on a journey of flavor rather than be a place where you just say, yeah, give me my McAllen 12, give me my Glenmore and G 10 year old. Like it's, it's something it's, it's, uh, it's an oasis for people who want to discover flavor. Yeah. Um, and, and hearing Aaron just talk about his selection processes and, his passion for Scotch whiskey. It was just, it was great to re-listen to those little bits. So I'm glad people got out of it as much as we got out of it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And and I'm excited to have future conversations with other bar owners yeah. uh, and bar general managers and, and see where their focus lies and, and what's of interest to them. So yeah, it'll be an ongoing uh, series, if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. Um, we will be dedicating future episodes to more bar conversations. Mm-hmm. And we'll even try and get some other countries involved as well and see what it looks like in other countries. Yeah. Cool. So that, that was a little bit of catch up on that one. And then another little bit of catch up is you and I putting out the call to lovers of young whiskies. Yes. And again, feedback has been lovely there. A good number of people saying, I'm missing the young whiskies that you guys used to offer. 
Um, I'd love to see some more come back. And you and I are are dedicated to doing that and are currently working on uh, a couple of new releases. Yep. I, we will we will tread lightly as we return to the world of, of Young Whiskey and see where our member base is at. And if these are successful, we'll continue to do it. And if they're not as successful, we're going to have to rethink that particular strategy. Correct. But the, the good news is that we have a bunch of different projects we're working on right now where, off the top of my head, I'm thinking of three different distilleries that we're working with that have young whiskey that we have access to yep. that they we're going to be working with. So members will start seeing these young whiskeys uh, released soon. And I guarantee they are very interesting. Yeah. And I would add in every time I'm in Seattle and, and I see Natalie uh, of Natalie and Liz fame, Natalie reminds me that our Lefroig six sat for a while and Natalie was able to reorder and reorder some more mm. and reorder some more. And that was a, a pre-2018 world for us. Yeah. And if we were yeah. to bring out a Lafroig six-year-old post-2018 world, it would look very different and it would sell very differently. I think you're right, which we keep to the front of mind as well as we're thinking about what we're going to be putting into our online shop. So with that said, in addition to young whiskeys that we're looking at and will soon be bottling, we are looking to put a bit more in our online shop to just, I mean, right now it's so empty. I don't think we have a single thing for sale. No, I think it's completely sold out because now the mezcal has sold out as well. Yeah, the the store is currently empty, and I don't like having an empty store. So we will be bringing in more whiskeys, and they will be of the American variety and of the Scotch whiskey variety. And we may even be throwing some rum in there as well. So keep an eye out for that. Awesome. I feel as if, Jason... That you and I, in a sense, talking about young whiskey, kind of touched on a bit of news. <laughs> is is there any more news that we want to deliver to people uh, before we get out? I don't think there is. I think we're getting very close to having a big news segment, but that time is not now. The time is not now. Yeah, we are right. we are slowly coming out from the shadow of the government government shutdown so we're slowly coming out from the shadow of that and things are about to kick into high gear for us so there's a there's a big new segment coming another day well one thing that i did mention on our single cast nation facebook page which by the way anybody who wants to be a part of that if you don't already have an account with single cast nation it's easy just go to our website look for the link that says create an account or become a member says one of those two things it's become a member become a member you just sign up you create a free account and then you have access to our facebook page and we announce a lot of things on our facebook page there but what i announced recently was the 30 year old bowmore cask that we just got mm-hmm. right 1989 from a uh, a bourbon hogshead 
and it is of the FWP style of Bowmore, which has us incredibly excited. So I, I feel comfortable announcing that here because I told our members first. The label is exceptional. Now, for all of you people out there who like to troll the TTB website for labels, I personally am not a fan of that because I like surprising people. Like when I turned 40, my wife did me a solid. She gave me a surprise birthday party. It was masterful. I didn't look for clues. I didn't do anything. I just got the best birthday party I could ever imagine. And I kind of view trolling the TTB website as ruining a surprise party. And so in an effort to stem the possibility of anyone ruining our particular surprise party, we submitted our label and blacked out all of the art. So you don't get to see anything. You will find out about it when we announce it. There's a good chance none of that will make it to the final episode. <laughs> Every single bit of it is going to make it to the episode. I think once you go away and have a little think, you might just eliminate that part. Um, I've thought about it. Go on. <laughs> there are many times when you walk away and you go, yeah, I, I don't think I'm going to use that after all. We'll see. Maniacal laugh. Maniacal laugh. Maniacal laugh. Maniacal laugh. So now we've covered a nice little bit of news and we had a lovely interview with Joshua Hatton today. Thank you. It was an honor and a privilege. Where Jason Johnston Yellen got to say his piece as well. So those are always my favorite kinds of interviews. <laughs> I, I want to close with a misconception that those travels that I was just talking about earlier in the podcast had me presenting in front of a whole bunch of people. And I've got a little takeaway from one of my tastings there. Hmm. And and it goes back to Boise, which also got a, a shout out earlier in the episode. Okay. There's a chap in Boise who I've poured for a few times. And he really hates Isla whiskies. Really hates them. Okay. And so you get that sense of, oh, he doesn't like smoke and he doesn't like peat. Mm-hmm. I also poured for him our Crofting Gaia, which is our heavily peated Loch Lomond. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Loved it. Loved it. Wait, you just told me he doesn't <laughs> like peat and smoke. Right? So, 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 and let me continue and then I'll circle back on this. Okay, okay. In that same tasting, I also poured our online mezcal. Yeah. And what do many, many people say about mezcal? Oh, you love Isla whiskeys. Taste some mezcal. Mm. Right, that, That's how I got my first pour from Andrew Friedman uh, back when he owned Liberty. He said, oh, you you love the PT whiskeys? Here, try this product. And I went, I do. Oof. And then, of course, I started to grow and mature and develop a fondness for mezcal. So I poured my mezcal for this guy. He loved it. So my little misconception for this episode is peat and smoke are not the same thing. Ah, this is a good one. So I think when we drink Isla whiskies, I think we get peat forward. And I think we equivocate peat and smoke when we talk about the product. Uh-huh. And I think when you pour a Highland peated whiskey, 
uh, and Ardmore, this crofting gear that we've been releasing, I think they're smoke forward instead of peat forward. The other thing that I've been mm-hmm. saying in my tastings is you're also dealing with two completely different types of peat. On Isla, with Isla peat, you've got decomposed seaweed, you've got a lot of salt going on in there. Mm. Some of that iodine that we always famously talk about on Isla with Isla peat. Mm-hmm. When it comes to Highland peat, you're dealing with much more decomposed heather. You're getting something much more aromatic, more floral, even sweeter. Mm-hmm. And I think Highland peat takes a back seat to the smoke that's present in it. Whereas I think all of those heavy compounds in Isla peat take a front seat to the smoke that's contained within it. Okay, so let's let's do this. A couple of things. How how would you say how would you differentiate peat from smoke? Because I know what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I I see a difference between something that's peaty and something that's smoky, but mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of people out there that will use one word as a shortcut for the other, right? 100. That's what I mean by the, those terms. People equivocate those terms. Yeah, that's right. right? So they, they, they use them interchangeably, and I just don't think it's correct or right. So explain the differences between what is a peatiness and what is a smokiness so, so people so, can correctly, so people can stop equivocating. So, so I think the easiest way is to identify the smoke because the smoke component is much more like a burning stick, right? We're mm-hmm. all familiar with that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're used to barbecuing, if you're used to smoking um, your meats, mm-hmm. you're around burning, smoking, damp, wet wood, yeah. right? And that is completely different from the burning earthiness of it, right? There's a heaviness to the burning earth, that is different than the burning wood smoke, right? A burning stick. And so I, so for me, it's, it's a weight thing. Huh. Almost, if you think about, you know, it's, it's so funny, the number of people who I hear who don't like Isla whiskeys, who talk about it tasting like, you know, burning socks, right? I think there's a fecundity there, and I know you used that word a couple of episodes again. Mm-hmm. I was I was greatly honored when you did. Mm-hmm. I think there's a fecundity in burning peat that is different from burning wood and, and that smokiness from that burning oh, okay. wood. Okay. Yep. That's I think that's a good way to put it. The other thing that I want you to explain, especially for those who live in countries where heather does not exist. <laughs> Can you can you tell can you tell our listeners what Heather is uh, other than you know Heather Locklear who, who we all fell in love with in, in the eighties? Yeah. Timely reference. Um, Wait, yes. So, did what? something happen with Heather Locklear? No, just did she not, just die? It's not the nineteen eighties anymore. Oh, and you went straight to Heather Locklear. I still have a thing for Heather like, Locklear in the eighties. Like, what are the chances anybody under thirty listens to this podcast? <laughs> oh, oh, a high chance. Oh well, um, yeah. Google Heather Locklear. You, yeah, it's all education. Um, so yeah, Heather, wild growing flower that uh, 
on all hillsides, mountainsides in Scotland, uh, little uh, purple sweet. And that's, that's what I was saying earlier about kind of Highland being the decomposed heather. It's very aromatic. Mm, and, okay. uh, you know, really, you know, really quite a, a pungent, powerful uh, little plant when you get up mm. close to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the type of thing that you smell it in the air, or at least I don't smell it in the air yeah. when I'm roaming around Scotland. Um, but you definitely do see it. Uh, you see Everywhere. it on, on plenty of hillside. If you go out and you hike in Scotland, uh, you will just walk past banks of heather. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it, one of the things, you know, one of the tasting notes that you're quite fond of, Joshua, is heather honey. Yes. And Love so it. bees who have eaten from heather, uh, who have then gone back and, and regurgitated that into the hive. Uh, yeah for their sweet, floral, aromatic honey. Yeah, two of my favorite tasting notes are, are that, the, the heather honey. And and this one's very specific, uh, is, is gorse. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people in the U.S. And, and probably many other countries don't know what gorse is, but it's mm. this awful plant that you don't want to get near because yeah. it has... Um, spikes slash thorns on it that will f- kill you dead, but <laughs> the the be- <laughs> but there's a beautiful yellow flower that smells almost like coconuts, mm. and it's it's I, I think the gorse plant is beautiful when it's flowering, and if you can get up close to it just just to smell the flowers, it's this real heavy. Floral coconutty smell, which is just divine, and I get that in you know first fill ex bourbon whiskeys every now and again. The Dallas Dew, the nineteen seventy six Dallas Dew, has gorse all over it. Mm. Uh, the Cat and Heads one that we got, um, yeah, this one, yeah. And gorse is another one that grows wild on hillsides, you yeah. know, all of Scotland over. Uh, yeah. You cannot miss the gorse. Nope. No, nope. uh, beautiful big bushes of gorse yep. uh, growing across Scotland. So, I think I think we've covered a lot in this episode. We have we have gone uh, plant, you know, botany. Yeah, uh, you know, nobody expected that coming in the door. Uh, the number of times to twirl your shoelaces on your kilt shoes. Yeah, three, I don't six, think anybody saw that coming. You know, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> ball gags. Ball gags, hard to forget them. Um, no matter how much I try, hard to forget them. Um, yeah, I've covered a lot of ground. Uh, interviewed Joshua Hatton, Thank discussed you. the keepers, yeah. discussed a little bit of news. Government shutdown came up because how could it not? It's still only April. And there we go, yeah. Joshua. Let me close this one out, Jason. <laughs> oh, dear. Hang on to your hats. I am so thankful to Stuart Nickerson and honoured that he would consider me as as a good nominee for the Keepers of the Quake. You and I have known him for years and years. We, we really don't do business with him. We've just known him for years, and, and he honored me with that nomination. And uh, it really, in my opinion, is is a life-changing thing from a... Uh, I don't know. I, 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 I think for years I'll kind of <laughs> figure out how, how it's going to affect me, but... I, I do feel as if I'm a bit changed by it in, in a way, but like I said, 
at the same time, I'm still feeding my cats and doing the dishes. It's, you know, it's, it's, I'm now part of an organization that, that includes so many people I look up to. So, so I really thank Stuart for that. I thank, um, David Blackmore for seconding the nomination. I thank all of the keepers who have welcomed me in. Annabelle Meikle, who's in charge of, of really all things Keepers of the Quake, was so kind to talk to me personally and say, you know, happy to have you here. You belong here. Thank you. Yeah, it, was, um, it was funny as we were leaving at the very end of the banquet and I went past her and saw her for the first time that night. And I said, Annabelle, we have to interview you for One Nation Under Whiskey. Yes, yes, we do. And Donald Colville. Uh, who's famously with Diageo and, and the friends of the classic malts, uh, was immediately behind me. And he said, you never stop working, Jason, do you? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, oh, sorry, Donald. If I'd known it was you behind me, I wouldn't have said anything. <laughs> <laughs> and then I said, actually, Donald, we need to interview you for One yes, Nation Under do. Whiskey. <laughs> yes, we do. Oh, he's, he's a good guy. We, we need to get him on. <laughs> nice little twofer on that one. But the last thing I'll say is when you are inducted in, Jason, and I know you will be, I'm going to welcome you with open arms and I'm going to treat you just as you have treated me at the end of the banquet night. And you are going to get pissed to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if you realized it on that night, but I was seriously messed up. <laughs> <laughs> I just wasn't a, a hair as bad as you. So. Oof, boy. And I was, <laughs> I was bad. I just feel bad for Haida. You know, after I left your room and I come back into my room and I'm trying to get my kilt off and my sporin has all these jingle jangly bells on it. And it's like 2.30 in the morning and I'm like, ding, 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 bling, 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 you know, and taking off and... <laughs> And the next morning, you know, she was like, worst night's sleep ever. I finally get to bed and you come in like a rhino in a china shop. <laughs> like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, the other beauty about kilts is you can sleep in them quite easily. <laughs> oh, I should have done that, shouldn't I have? <laughs> it's not comfortable in the slightest. But the easiest thing is just leaving it on and crashing on a bed. Oh, well, live and learn. <laughs> live and learn. Next time. <laughs> uh, okay, on that bombshell. All right, Jason. Thanks to you. Thanks to the listeners. Thanks to everyone. Until next time. Until next time. <laughs> Cheerio. Cheerio. Clink, clink. clink. <laughs>